Welcome to another message from C3 Mumbai. For more information about C3 Mumbai, please visit our website c3mumbai.com or visit our Facebook page. Hey, we're talking about the search for happiness. The search for happiness. The search for happiness. One of the things us humans like to do is be happy, right? We love to be happy. Last week we talked about it and uh, we, 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 we went through Psalm chapter 1. And one of the things as you read Psalm chapter 1 that you'll notice is that happiness is not found directly. It says, it says uh, in, in Psalm chapter 1 verse 1, it says that, that blessed, which you can, you, can actually, you can actually translate that directly also to happy. So you can read this as happy is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. It's the thing about this scripture, when you read it and study it, is you'll notice that happiness isn't found directly. It doesn't say happy is the person who is looking for happiness. But it says, happy is the one who meditates on God's law day and night. And when you see this word law, it's not like God's law is in the Ten Commandments. It's God's law is in the entire Bible, the entire Word of God and what it means and what the gospel means and what, what, where the Lord should lead us. The law should, you know where the law should lead us? Because if, if it leads you to yourself, you're going to get into a place where you're unhappy because you're going to realize you're not able to fulfill God's law, Right? If it leads you to anything else but Christ, you're going to find it difficult. But when the law leads us to Jesus, we find happiness. Because you've, you begin to realize that He has fulfilled everything on our behalf. And all we have to do is have a relationship with Him. And when we begin to meditate on that day and night, and it's all written here. It's all written here in God's Word. And when we study that, we make it the, 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 the firm the firm foundation of our lives, you begin to find that happiness grows like a fruit. It's produced in our lives. It's not found directly. It's found indirectly by putting our roots down into the things of God, right? That's how we find happiness. And, and it's, it's the cool thing about this, scriptures like this and others in the Bible, is that it's a promise. It works. It works. It works. It's not, and it's not a temporary it's not a temporary thing. It's not something that just comes and goes. It's something that's always there. So today's text, I'm going to read to you another scripture, which you may have heard um, before if you've been around uh, church for a little while or if you've, if you've skipped through the Bible. It's actually, it's, 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 it's named as one of the greatest speeches of all time. It's, if you ever want to list out, you know, if you Google the greatest speeches of all time, this may come up. It's the, called the Sermon on the Mount. You, you know this one, the Sermon on the Mount. It's, it's the first time kind of Jesus got up and, and really spoke publicly and began to show who He was and what His values were. But the thing is, is this sermon that He gave is really confusing, okay? I'm going to read it to you, all right? Um, it's Matthew chapter 5, verses, I'm going to read from verse 3 to 11, and then we're going to do some explaining. So don't worry if you get confused, okay? You ready? All right, let's go. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. 
Now, oh, hold on a second. Once again, this word blessed, you can translate it to happy. So you could read this as happy dot dot dot. You understand? Okay? I just forgot to tell you that. That's important. As we read this, you need to keep that in mind. Okay, where was I? Okay. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness. Because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Uh, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. But happy, blessed. What I I want to sort of begin to look at in this scripture and bring out of it is that this happiness that Jesus was speaking about, this blessedness that Jesus was speaking about, was, was not, um, okay, big word alert, you ready? It was not, it's not really a big word, but just in case, it's all right, subjective. It wasn't subject to anything. That, this happiness that Jesus is talking about was not circumstantial. It wasn't based on circumstances. It wasn't subject to one's circumstances. Because if it was, you wouldn't be talking about someone being blessed when they're persecuted or happy when they're persecuted, right? I mean, that doesn't even make sense. Happy is someone when they're persecuted. What? Is this... I mean, persecution is like the worst when someone's... I mean, you ever had someone talk behind your back or blame for you for something that's not your fault or, or, or put something on you that's not, not meant to be on you and they say it was you and it wasn't you and you know, you know what I'm talking about, some of you, you've been persecuted, you know, it's not like, was that a happy time for you? Well, Jesus says it, well, it should be, right? It should be a happy time. How dare you not be happy during these times, you know? It's confusing. You understand, I, I get confused by these things. Jesus is talking about, but you've you got to understand that, that Jesus is not talking about happiness coming from or being subjective, okay? He's not. He's talking about a completely different thing. In fact, he's talking about happiness being objective. Let me, let me put it like this. Happiness is gained through, through the object on which we have our eyes upon. That's where happiness comes from. So when the things of life happen, like what is listed here in this scripture, there's this peace, there's this joy, there's this overwhelming sense that it's okay because we've got our eyes fixed on Jesus. Now, let's just go through this scripture for a minute. Minute, I'm going to do some, let's play opposite, okay? Opposite, okay. So, I did all the opposites and, uh, uh, and, and uh, to, to what Jesus was talking about. It's on the, the left-hand side, okay? This is my left hand. All right, so, happy. If, if we were to do, the, to do the opposite of what Jesus was talking about, this is, this, is, this is how it would kind of read. Happy are the self-reliant, 
instead of the poor in spirit. Happy are the strong instead of the meek. Happy are the stoic instead of the mourners. They don't feel pain, they just ride through it, right? That's the stoic. Happy are the ones who are hungry and thirsty for success, and they'll do anything to get it instead of being hungry and thirsty for righteousness. Happy are the merciless. Happy are the pragmatic instead of being pure at heart. Happy are the war winners instead of the peacemakers. Happy are the ones that no one can touch instead of the ones that are persecuted. Now, let me tell you something. Okay, keep this up. I want you to just let this soak in for a second, okay? You know what I found? And here's why this is relevant for me, and it might be relevant for you, is that I have found that this is what the world has actually, if, I'm, if I allow it, turns me into. This is what we turn into. You know, we, 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 we try to get into a position where, where we are self-reliant because, uh, let me tell you something, who's been, let, who's been let down by someone? And you've said something like, never again. Never again will they be in that position in my life. I'm just not going to be there, right? And you go and make changes and you go and do your thing to make that difference so it never happens again. So you never find yourself in a position where you are having to take from anyone and you are strong. But are you happy? It's weird, right? It's weird. Have you ever been in a position where you're weak? Maybe in your childhood, there was moments where you just felt weak and lost and not able and there was no one there for you. So now in your adulthood, you're just like, I'm going to be strong. If no one else is going to be strong, I'm going to be strong, you know, and I ain't going to feel pain because the moment I feel pain, the moment I let that in, I'm just going to be weak. So I'm going to be stoic set my course on where I'm going, on my journey, on my goals, on what I'm about, and I'm going to just hit it right? You know, life turns you into this, doesn't it? Society turns you into this. When people let you down, when things don't go right, we become self-reliant, we become strong, we become stoic, we, we begin to hunger and thirst for everything but righteousness. It's a natural thing. Okay, I'll put, I just let me get here first and then I'll worry about those other things. Hmm. Merciless? Well, depends on the person. Depends on what I need from people. I'll have mercy on those who I need something from, but those who, those lazy ones, those ones who are out there doing, not doing anything, I ain't got time for them. I'm merciless. Because I saw such and such dot, 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 and that person in my life, they were this and that, and oh, who cares about them moving forward? The world turns you into this pragmatic War winners, we want to win the war. (laughs) Who's had a fight in their life? Do you enjoy it when you lose? We want to win the war, right? No one wants to be a loser. No one wants to be a loser. And here's Jesus talking about blessed are the peacemakers. You know what what a peacemaker has to do? He has to let the other one win. I mean, who wants to be that? Who wants to be that? And I, I, rather than be persecuted, I would rather be on a high mountain where no one can touch me. Anybody with me on that? I might give you an invitation if you're nice to me. Right? It's like, but here's Jesus. He's like, 
talking in some sort of way that I, I'm sure if everyone, like everyone that was there must have been going, what is he, what is he talking about? What? I don't understand. Because you know, you know what they were expecting from this Jesus, from this Christ. They were expect, expecting him to come and be this conqueror who defeated the Romans. At this point in time, the, the Jews, they were, they were under persecution. They were, they were under the rule of Rome. And they, were, they, they thought that they had seen these prophecies that, that, that the Savior would come, conquer these people that were their oppressors, and they would finally have freedom. And then Jesus gets up and talks about this. This would have been completely like, confusing to them, as much as it is to us, as at least it is to me. Happy are the ones who are poor in spirit, who are meek, who are mourning who are hungry and thirsty for righteousness. righteousness. Happy are the ones who are merciful. Happy are the pure in heart. Happy are the persecuted, the peacemakers. You know why this makes sense? When you begin to look at it the way Jesus is teaching it. It's because He is not looking at happiness as being subjective. See, all of these are reactions to the world that we live in. You're going to find yourself in a place where you get to a place where you will be stoic because life has dealt you such a hand that if you show emotion, people are going to see you as weak and they're going to take advantage of you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Life will put you in this place. It'll put you in this corner. It will. But you've got to understand something. The happiness that Jesus talks about the, the peace that Jesus talks about, the joy that Jesus talks about, is not subjective to the things. These are subjective. You see? Jesus doesn't want you, put, he doesn't want you in a corner where, where, where you have to react. Because the, the fact is, that for all of these things, although they make you feel powerful, although they make you feel like you've got control, although they make you feel like you've got it all together, there will be some point where you will realize you don't have any control. If things go wrong enough, you'll realize, oh my gosh, I don't have it together. And it comes in the, all sorts of forms. It might come in the form of a child who you just can't get to do what you need them to do. They keep embarrassing you out in public or they, they keep, they've just gone and running amok in their school or whatever. Or it might be, it, it, I don't know, it might be a circumstance at your work where there's, it's just, you just need it to change and it's not. There's that one boss who's just, he just won't, he won't get you and he's, giving everything to everyone else but you and it's not changing and you, you've done everything. Or there's that one contract that you need to get but it's just not coming. Or there's that one thing that just won't go away and it keeps, it's like it's followed you all of your life and you're waiting for that. Jesus promises something in all of that. He promises happiness. But it isn't found here. See, these are all the things we do. When these moments come, and they, they make us feel like we've got control, but we don't have control. It feels like control. And you might have moments in here where you feel pleased, you know. You feel pleased. You might feel pleased when, you, when you've won a war. But does it last? No. You know, the, the, the thing with a war winner is, is usually... Usually what happens is they've won so many wars that they ain't got any friends anymore. They're standing alone, alone. There's no one with them anymore because they've just everyone's an enemy. 
right? They fought with everyone. Anyway, I could go through that list more and more. But what I want to bring out of this scripture is, is, is where Jesus starts with this sermon, is, is verse 3. See, he, he gives us the beginning, how it starts, and then what the results are. Okay, let me, let me show you. It's, in verse 3, he says, Blessed or happy are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Okay, now, let's just, anybody want the kingdom of heaven? Yes, please. Okay, I'll take that. I'll, I'll take that. All right. Blessed are the poor in spirit. What does that mean? Men, I haven't got any money. Does, what does that mean? No, it's not what that means. Blessed is the poor in spirit. Blessed is the one who realizes that there is a deficit in the depth of their soul, that they are vulnerable and needy. That's what it's saying. Blessed, happy is the one who has realized that they are not strong. In fact, they are weak and vulnerable. That's where it begins. And this is where... where this kind of teaching is, is the direct opposite that you'll find in any other religious talk. This is a massive difference because, because everything else will give you all of the things that you need to do to be blessed. And the control will be yours. You know, it'll be do this and that and the other. And if you achieve this, you're going you're gonna to achieve this, this serenity, this amazing moment, where this realization of who you are. That's not where it is with, with, with Jesus. He's saying, blessed are the ones who realize that they are poor. That no matter how hard they try, no matter how much money might be in the bank, physical money, they're still poor. They're still vulnerable. They're still in need. They still need the God of heaven to make a way for them so that they can be made worthy and made holy, and stand before God and have a relationship with Him. There's no other way except to realize your poverty <laughs> and your need. So he puts it that way. And everything else after that is derived from this. And See, see the circumstance of, of, of verse 4, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. You know why they'll be comforted even though they are mourning? Because they've realized their need for God. They've realized that they are vulnerable, that they are weak, that there will be moments where they will be overcome with uncontrollable desire and urges just to mourn and sit and just do nothing because life has overwhelmed them or loss has overwhelmed them. Do you understand? But the one who has found Jesus, the one who has found that they are, they are in great need of this Savior, in those moments when they know this, even in a place of mourning, even in a time when their circumstances are so bad, as they reach out to Jesus, they will find happiness. It's not that they don't feel what they're feeling anymore. It's not like all of a sudden you just don't feel the desire to mourn when you've had great loss. That wouldn't make any sense. But they, they have those feelings and yet... And yet, Christ is with them. And they are riding through that storm, holding on to Jesus. And all is well. 
all is well. All is well. And you'll, you'll see this as it's listed. Blessed are the, are the meek. That, that is a derivative. You know, meekness is gentleness, humility. Meekness or gentleness and humility, that, that is derived only from an admission that you are in great need of Christ to come and save you. Because it's, if it's, when, you're not meek when, it's, it, when you say things like this. Like this. If it's going to be, it's up to me. I'm going to pull up my socks and I'm going to run forward. And when I get there, I'm going to show all of you ones, all you lowlifes who told me I couldn't do it, what I've done. Right? <laughs> I don't know. I've said things like that. Okay? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not preaching to, 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 you know, from a place where, I, you know, I've overcome these sorts of things. I, I'm tempted. But as I realize... No, 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 hold on a second. If it wasn't for Jesus, I wouldn't even have the breath in my lungs. I wouldn't even have, I, would, I don't even know if I'd wake up tomorrow. See, He's given me everything. And I have a great need for Him in my life. I need Him to save me. I thank God that even though I was in so much sin, in so much stuff, He rescued me out of that. It produces a humility. See, it's, a, it's something that's produced. This is not a list of all the things that you need to do in order for God to be happy with you and you to get happiness. So, so I mean, this would be the wrong way to look at this, this scripture, okay? You know, if I was to preach this as blessed are the meek, so, so you all of a sudden, okay, all I need to be meek now. You know, no more, I better not, better not say anything bad to anyone or, you know, act in, 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 you know, I better be gentle. I better be gentle with my wife and gentle with my kids and gentle with that idiot who lives next door to me and... <laughs> don't want to be gentle with him might just be a little pragmatic on that one and you know okay that's not it's not a list it's not a list of things that you need to do this is not another set of 10 commandments who knows we've got enough of that this is all what is derived from one realizing that they need Christ you understand these are all the things that begin to happen in other words these are the evidences when you when you are walking through life and your temptation is to go into becoming a person who just rises above and become a stoic and doesn't feel pain and you push forward and all of those sorts of things and you become this tough thing that the world has made you to be. And you're tempted to become that and yet you have this knowledge in your heart that there is just such a need for Jesus to come in right now and you reach for Him. What is produced is this. You become, a, you become poor in spirit. You become... One who, 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 even though you may be mourning, you are comforted. And even though, even though you may have those who, who are acting up in, around you, you are still gentle. You are still humble. Even, those, even though there are moments where you may be tempted to go and just take things into your own hands. And maybe even things like you know, self-medication or you know, just go and sin. You just want to go and act out. And yet you have this hunger inside of yourself to be righteous. You can't produce the hunger for righteousness within yourself. God produces that in you. But it only comes as you admit your need for it. You're not going to produce your own righteousness. If, if, if that were true, then you would have never have had lied in your life. I'll tell you not to lie. Don't lie this week. Just go and give it a try. You'll realize, oh, righteousness, I can't obtain it. 
This is all, all good. It's all okay when we begin to realize that Jesus gives us righteousness and He gives us a hunger for righteousness as we reach for Him. And out of that, as we, as we begin to see change in our own lives, and it's like this happiness comes out of it. It's like, wow, I didn't do that, but I like it. Right? <laughs> so my, my point is with this, with this scripture is don't read this as a list. Read this as what is produced by one who has realized they are poor in spirit. And, 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 and the way we begin to apply this into our lives is, is that instead of in the toughness of life, instead of in the, the harshness of life, instead of in, in, in injustice and in all of those things that aren't right that happen, instead of becoming self-reliant, instead of becoming self-reliant, Okay, we fix our eyes on Jesus. The temptation, you will, you will want to become self-reliant in some sort of way. I'm not saying it's you know, bad to be self-reliant. Like, don't, don't mishear me here. It's okay. You know, it's, it's good to be independent financially. It's, it's, good to, it's good to be able to, you know, work in order to get yourself into a position in life where you can provide for your family and this and that. That's not, that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about a state of our hearts where we, we, we have this self-reliance within ourselves and we're going to make it happen. Not just in our success in our careers, but our whole outlook is like that. And when it comes to God, we let Him in in little portions where we need Him. But we're not relying on Him. Do you understand? We're not, we're not, he isn't the center of our worlds. He is there and we use Him as we need Him. That's not where we find happiness. That's not where happiness is found. That is not the promise. You see, that would be, that would be going against last week's sermon, talking about Psalm 1. We don't meditate day and night on His law. Our life isn't centered on this God and our need for Him. We'll find ourselves going in a different direction though. But what we need to do is instead of self-reliance is to fix our eyes on Jesus. No matter what you are going through, no matter what you are facing, do one thing if you want happiness. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Can I read you, a, can I read you from um, Hebrews chapter 11? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32. I'm going to read through to verse 3 of chapter 12. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets. If you don't know who these people are, they're all different characters throughout the Bible that are talked about. That You know, the whole Bible talks about the story of God and His relationship with mankind and how mankind is related back to Him. That's what the Bible is all about. Okay, and these are some of the people that are written into that story. Um, so, so uh, David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justed, justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, um, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and floggings and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawn in two. 
It gets a little violent. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and ill-treated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. Um, is anybody... Yay, let's do this. See, I'm deliberately reading this scripture because I'm showing you that there are those who have lived out the promises of God in circumstances that are dire and destitute and hopeless, and yet they were happy. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Now, I want you to hear what I'm, t- I'm about to say. The, what, what the author is saying here is none of these people had Jesus yet. Okay? <laughs> that was what was promised. Jesus. Okay? Since God had planned something better for us, that only together with us, they could be made perfect. Therefore, everybody say therefore. Therefore, therefore since we are surrounded by these kind of people... Such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And I want you to hear this. This This is the big point. Okay, you ready? Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, the beginning, and the perfecter of our faith for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. You know what the joy that was set before him? You know why he went to the cross? You know what his joy was? This moment right now where someone in this room understands that if they reach out to this Jesus and stop trying to be so strong and stop trying to have it all together then stop trying to be their own everything, that that if they just reach to Jesus, they're going to find joy, they're going to find hope, they're going to find happiness, they're going to find peace, they're going to find forgiveness, they're going to find freedom, that they're going to find Jesus. That was the joy that was set before him. That's why he went to the cross. That's why he went. He had his eyes fixed on his joy that was in us through the finished work that was going to happen as a result of his cross. And let me tell you something. We now set our eyes on Him because He is the perfecter of our faith. He is the pioneer. He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God, right hand of the throne of God. Consider Him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. What do you do? What do you need to do? Do you need to get strong? Do you need to get up? Do you need to become stoic when life puts you on a corner, when things aren't right and things are difficult and it's hard? Is that what you need to do to be happy? It might get you somewhere, but it won't get you happiness. It might get you somewhere, but you might be sitting on your mountain and you will be alone and without Christ. And you won't be happy. I don't know if you've ever felt that. I don't know if you've ever had that moment where it's just like empty where you've achieved what it was that your whole life was centered around, where you've gotten everything that you were looking for and you realize I ain't got nothing because I'm still not happy and I've come here and I'm still me and I've still got my struggles and I've still got my pain and I've still got all the stuff that I need. Have you ever come to that point? 
See, Jesus promises when you begin to realize that you are poor in spirit, that you need him at the center of your life. There, there, is, a, there, is, a, there is this whole list of things that begin to happen as a result. Well, how does it begin? Well, you know what? Whatever you're facing right now, fix your eyes on Jesus. And you know what? Maybe that alone. Where you're, you're, you have fixed your eyes on Him, and you're just holding on to Him. You're just, I don't know what else to do, but hold on to Christ. That's the best place, I'm telling you. Because of that, you're going to find a peace, you're going to find a joy. And who knows, it may even, because you're, you're, you're approaching things from a completely different perspective, who knows, that may even change the outcome. Because I'm telling you something, when you fix your eyes on Jesus, He changes your eyes. You see, world, you see the world in a different way. He gives you a new heart. He gives you a new peace. He gives you a new everything. Your life changes. You even find yourself wanting to fulfill like righteousness. You don't want to do the wrong thing anymore. That's a miracle. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. I want to ask you something because we're closed. What are you fixed your eyes on? What are your eyes fixed on? Like, what is it you're trying to achieve here? What is the answer to your, your issues and problems? If I could only get dot, 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 dot. If only this would happen, that would happen. What are you fixing your eyes on? You know, it's so simple, but it's so hard to fix our eyes on Jesus. It's a choice you have to make. It's a choice, but let me know. Let me tell you that as you make this choice, there is a promise that the Bible makes that if you do fix your eyes on Him, you're going to find joy. You're going to find peace. You're going to find happiness. C3 Mumbai is a church in the heart of India's commercial capital, where a diverse group of people brought together to worship God and to pass on the hope of salvation by grace that we freely received. For more information about C3 Mumbai, please visit our website c3mumbai.com or visit our Facebook page. Follow us on Instagram or tweet us on our handle at C3Mumbai. Hey, it's Ryan here. If you enjoyed this message and you live in Mumbai, we would love to meet you in person. Why don't you come along 11.30 a.m. Studio 10 at Famous Studios in Mahalakshmi.